Well, good morning. I am jumping into a new series today. And if uh, you're visiting for the first time, uh, so glad you picked a really good time. You picked a really good time to kick the tires uh, of Timber Creek Church, uh, to maybe uh, look for a church home or kind of rekindle uh, a faith in Christ. I want you to know we have designed church with you in mind. And so we are so excited to be able to jump in. Let me start by saying it's been 19 months that, I don't know about you, but it's been a little, um, what's the right appropriate definition? Cray cray. It's been crazy. We have gone through, from what I understand it, just with my 42 years of living, in my 42 years, the absolute most chaotic, divisive, uh, venomous, um, backbiting, slanderous, uh, ugly political season that we've ever faced. We have had to deal on top of that with a global pandemic that has been nonstop in our face from every angle, from every opinion, I was getting blinds cut at a department store yesterday and the person to just kind of uh, shoot the breeze with me. You know when you shoot the breeze, here's what you say. How you doing? That's kind of how you shoot the breeze, right? Or you might say, whew, crazy weather out there. Am I right? Or nice shoes, whatever. That's shooting the breeze. This is what she, here's how she shot the breeze. Are you pro-vax or anti-vax? I said, it is warm outside. <laughs> but now, all of a sudden, if anybody has an opinion that's different than you, it's not welcome to have dialogue. It's welcome to pile on, bully, be unbelievable, animalistic, and that's just the church. We have been going through so much from the global pandemic to hurricanes to snowpocalypse 2021 to the, the fact that this, that last year was the year the Cowboys were going to make the playoffs. They didn't even make it. Didn't even make it. Like, it's been wild. But I'm not here to talk to you about what's been out of the shadows and been drawn out of the shadows. I mean, I have seen Christians at their worst. In our nation, it just so torn apart and divided on all kinds of issues. Inten intensity from political to medical to racial, and it's just been a, a heavy weight. And what I want to talk to you about is not what everybody's still talking about. I want to talk to you about what we really need to be talking about that not many people are talking about, and it's the pandemic behind the pandemic. Before COVID in 2018, uh, the, the statistic for America was as follows. One in five people struggled with a mental or emotional health crisis. One in five, 20%. That number, 2021, has risen to 50%. One in two people are struggling with an emotional or mental health crisis. 
But why wouldn't we be? Because there has been so much weight and turmoil, relational strain, physical strain, fear, 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 the, the, the driving force of, exactly. I'm scaring the babies in the room. So you have all of these issues that are piling up. No wonder it's a heavy burden in our shoulders. No wonder it's something that we need to figure out how to carry. But instead of carrying it, here's what we've done. We've put it in the shadows. Now, here's what I know. Here's what I know. Take your notes and write it down. Not everyone goes through the same thing in the same way. Not everyone goes through the same thing in the same way. I, it was midnight, we were in my SUV, it was the youth pastor at the time and the children's pastor at the time, their names were Jimmy Ramsey and Jason Soul. And we were driving to Dallas for a conference that was gonna start the next day and we were carrying a big U-Haul trailer because while we were there, we were gonna go to a big store, Ikea, the devil started that store, but we were gonna go anyway. We were dragging this big old U-Haul trailer on the back of my SUV and we're going over the bridge of Lake Palestine. And the, the trailer popped off of the, the, the ball. It, it popped off of the hitch. And it starts going like this. I was asleep in the passenger seat. Jimmy was driving as the youth pastor. Jason Soul was in the back. He wasn't feeling very well. And they're kind of having a conversation. The moment that trailer popped off, we were all going the same way in the same car. We were dealing with the same thing in a different way. Jimmy grabs a steering wheel, and this is all that's going through his mouth. He's just going, Jesus, 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 Jesus. It's going like this. I take my hand, and I become like my mom and my dad and the Holy Spirit all together, pretty awesome in the moment. And I'm rubbing his shoulder. I'm like, you got this. You're a champion. You got this. You got this. And Jason Soul, who is a vice principal at one of our schools in the area, uh, very uh, educated and very intellectual, He's in the back going, huh, I've never experienced this before. This is a new day. Like he's just, huh, according to my calculations, something has happened. <laughs> we get that thing stopped and we're like, ah, ah. we're like in Tommy Boy where Chris Farley and David Spade and the deer has broken up the whole thing and, and Dave, David Spade's in there going, ah, ah. and Tommy Boy's like, that was awesome. When it comes to all of the emotional and mental strain, not everyone goes through the same thing in the same way, but everyone is going through something. And when I say one out of two, I don't mean one out of two out there. This some ethereal cloud in the distance, this painting that's, that we sit and we examine in a museum. We're talking about one and two in this room, one and two in your room, one and two in your family, one and two in your relationships, one and two are dealing with something that has caused a strain, regardless of the size, small to unbelievably massive. And over the course of the next few weeks, God is inviting us to not just sit back and stutter through this, but to understand, and hear me carefully, the very best prescriptions given by counselors today, Jesus already said 2,000 years ago. There is not a stance in your emotion or your attitude that is producing great results 
that Jesus would not already have shown us. You, you, cannot, you cannot allow someone else to have the steering wheel. Jesus talks about if someone's offended you, go to them, make it right. After that, if you've talked and you've gone with someone, you have to walk away. You, 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 you can't have someone in the street. The Apostle Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's, there's not just biting your bottom lip and praying a little louder. There are steps that we can take, and the Bible is full of them, and we want to take a biblical approach. Why would the church talk about mental and emotional health? Well, because a third of what Jesus did was healthcare. <laughs> Miracles, okay. A third of what Jesus did was reaching people in their moment of issue, from being hungry to thirsty to lame to wrapped up in spiritual issues, wrapped up in depression, wrapped up in shame. He dealt with all of those things. The church has a history of reaching people. Over the last 2,000 years, almost every single culture that exists today, the very first hospital was established in those places by Christians because they believed that Jesus cared not just about your soul, but about the physical realities of life. And it's spiritual. Jesus can touch your life in very practical ways. And he still is doing that. So over the next few weeks, we're gonna kind of pull out of the shadows loneliness and depression, shame that we will wear like a blanket, addictions and the the levels of addiction, there's different kinds of addictions, and, and not just finding recovery, but overcoming, being sturdy enough to not let your addiction be your identity. And then this one almost feels a little anticlimactic in the rest of these, and this is not the order in which we'll address them, but offended. Can I tell you something? A lot of this stuff is happening because we are living so easily offended by the littlest Things. Christians are being slaughtered in Afghanistan. And we, we can't even keep our cool reading a Facebook post. Friends, Jesus has some work to do on us. But he doesn't work on you with mad hands. He's a craftsman, and he will reach you where you are and help you. We won't, I know that a 30-minute message, who am I kidding, 40-plus-minute message is not going to be the answer. We're not going to talk about something today, and you go, oh, like there's some work to be done. I do know that Jesus can change anything and everything in any moment. He can do it in an instant, but also and usually we even see through the Bible, although he's instantaneous in his power, many times he is processing with his power that we are taking next steps. He's very supernatural, but he's also unbelievably practical. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about Jairus' daughter who had died while Jesus was walking to the house to heal her. He says, she's, she's not dead. He grabs her by the hand and says, honey, and she wakes up out of death. And the very next statement he says is not, now go read in your Bible and pray. He doesn't say, now let's do a praise dance. Here's what he says. Go get something to eat. You must be hungry. <laughs> there's a physical response and there's a supernatural, spiritual, strategic response. 
We wanna resource you because messages aren't gonna do it alone. We wanna give you access. We're, we're, we have vetted some, some programs and some uh, 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 groups, nonprofits that are counseling centers that we wanna vet. We don't have enough people on staff and enough days in the weeks and enough hours in those days to counsel everybody. But people need counseling today. They, they, need, they need someone to talk to and unpack. Do you know you can't tickle yourself? It's kinda hard to tickle yourself. But man, I, I can put this little finger in the side of my son's rib cage right here. He can do the same thing. I can do it like that. But if my son comes over here and he puts his finger right here, I'll go. <laughs> I can't tickle myself. He can, tickle, he can reach me in a way I can't be reached. And counseling is kind of like that. Reaches you in a way that you can't reach. Jesus does his part, but he also uses people to do their part. That right now media that we showed you is full it's, it, 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 is, it is basically discipleship Netflix is what it is. Discipleship Netflix. Doesn't that sound sexy? <laughs> you know, it, it should be. It should be because it will help you. We're going to give you resources. We're already curating a list of different things uh, from uh, biblical approaches, biblical psychologists and counselors that we want to make these available to you. Do not let that stay in your inbox. It's costing us a lot of money to finance this to make it available to everybody free of charge so you don't have to pay the several dollars a month. So we're paying all of the subscriptions for everybody for as long as you're part of Timber Creek and even when you leave Timber Creek, we're not gonna take your password away. You can have it and have access to that. And you know why we're able to do that? Because you've been generous. Thank you, thank you. We're helping a lot of people. Now, let's jump in. Why do we tend to stay in the shadows when it comes to some of this stuff? Why, why do we tend to stay in the shadows. We're, we're kind of cultured to that, to be honest. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Hey, hey, if you're not taking notes, though, if you're not taking notes, go ahead and write it down. <clears throat> Mental and emotional health is easy to minimize and dramatize. It's easy to push away, and it's also easy to kind of blow up because there's a big spectrum between how people deal with emotional and mental health. So some of the ways we minimize is somebody says, how you doing? Have you ever said to somebody, how are you? And they say, good, how are you? And it's like the biggest lie they've said all day. They ain't good, you ain't good. I'm good, 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 good. We minimize it. We minimize it. We, we, we think maybe people don't wanna hear what we have to say or we don't have anyone maybe we could really talk to about it. Everything's fine. We also have this... Uh, in, in our particular culture too, I've seen this in East Texas, that we can have a pick yourself up by your bootstraps, uh, don't let them see you sweat kind of thing, everything's fine, everything's fine kind of deal. You deal with you, I'll deal with me, and, and it's hard, toughen up, toughen up. And when we feel weak or something, it, it's almost like we have to hide that, so we, we minimize the realities. It's not that big of a deal. Here's one of the most dangerous that I think every one of us, including myself, deal with. We see somebody going through something, they dealt with something, a physical abuse, an emotional abuse, a, a sexual abuse, and we dealt with something that you grew up in a home that there was not a lot of uh, appropriate physical touch, but you were never abused. There wasn't a lot of words of affirmation. You didn't hear maybe your dad or your mom say, I love you, and that's affected you. But you don't wanna talk about that because you know this friend who was sexually abused and it, I, I shouldn't even have to complain. Like, I gotta, I gotta suck it up because I, I went through this and they went through that. Why am I even worried about this? This isn't even a, that big of a deal. I wanna say something to you. 
Trauma is trauma, regardless of the layers of it. Trauma is when something violates, when something happens to you that wounds you. It opens a wound. You're in trauma. There's a wound there. And really, when, when you need to understand your trauma like this, trauma is anything less than nurturing. And when you went through a situation that somebody else went through and they were just fine and they just kind of shrugged it off, maybe your brother or your sister. But you went through something and it wasn't nurturing, that's trauma and there's layers. And when you have a church of 2,500 physical attendants on a weekend plus hundreds of people on different, in different countries and states that are attending online and you begin to talk about mental health and emotional health and you see the unbelievable layers that are involved in that, how, how is one message going to fix it? It's not. There is one Savior who can definitely be your guide and your source and your strength there. Because anything less than nurturing, Jesus is willing to come in and touch. But it's been minimized and then it's been dramatized. Because here's how we dramatize it. Here's how we, oh, I'm just so depressed. I'm just so depressed. And we use the word depression and someone else who is clinically depressed and you're depressed. And it's two different things. We, we, we've, we can dramatize some things. Oh, I'm just so anxious, and there's clinical anxiety, and then there's worry. Worry is how you feel, and anxiety is how your body responds to how you feel. I'll be honest with you. I want to be a strong pastor. But a few months ago, going to the Nacogdoches campus to have a meeting, I pulled into the gas station over on North Stallings Drive. I thought I, I, thought I was having a heart attack. I, I thought I was dying. I was scared to death. I threw the car into park and this overwhelming cold came over my entire body. I couldn't put words together. I couldn't think straight. And as I unpacked that, I realized I was having a, a panic attack. I, I love Jesus. I, I try to break the word down in a way that makes sense to you and a way that would honor God. And I... Try, I, I try not to worry that much. I, I try not to have a lot of fear. I don't want to be driven by fear. Man, I had a full-on panic attack. And as I've unpacked that with the counselor, I'm, I'm being able to not just talk about that with Jesus, but talk about that someone like Jesus with skin on, and that's been a healthy process. I went to that meeting. I, Dan, the campus guy, had to drive me home. This is embarrassing for me to say this to you. But I, 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 don't say, I don't say it for, for your uh, empathy. I say it so that you can come out of the shadows and know that it's okay not to be okay. You can love Jesus and deal with some stuff. Jesus doesn't want you to stay alone dealing with it. Because I've dealt with some things that were less than nurturing in my life. And God is pulling those layers off one day at a time, one step. Number two, mental and emotional health can be hard to analyze. So it's simple or it's complicated. It's hard to analyze whether is it this because I'm, I'm feeling like I've got this, uh, maybe my, 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 my chemicals are a little off or something. Maybe it's just this, or maybe it's this thing that happened or, or whatever. Or maybe it's like you're not you when you're hungry, eat a Snickers bar. Sometimes like God says, thus saith the Lord, take a nap, like nappeth, like that's what you need to do. But there are other times where it's deeper than that. You know, the reason why it can be hard to talk about and analyze is because we want things to be real simple. 
Anybody ever put Christmas lights up Christmas time? Some of you are like October 7th, you put up Christmas lights. I mean, Jesus loves you, but he's also like, dude, come on. Like it's, it's Christmas in a few months, all right. It's all right, he loves you. This would be nice. Doesn't this look like so, you know? And somebody would say, somebody would minimize and say, I'm just OCD. Well, that's not OCD, that's just organized, okay? That's not dealing with OCD. OCD is actually like a clinical thing. But like, you are organized and you want everything and then when you're done, you just, you just roll that thing right back up. I would love to see my life lived like that. And I would love my emotions, like if I had to deal with my emotions that I could just kind of roll them out in front of my wife and say, well, that's how I felt when you said it that way. Or this is kind of what I'm feeling right now when, when you, when, okay, all right, let's talk about it. I, I, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't complain about the laundry if you'd actually do it. So instead of that, <laughs> this is what mental and emotional tension really usually looks like. It's not an easy said and done. It's not a unroll it, unwrap it, and let's talk about it. It's, I wanna talk about this, and oh, maybe I need to think about this, and oh, Jesus, uh, search my heart, oh God. Show me anything in my life, because I see a lot, but man, this thing is tangled up. It's all tangled up with your history. It's tangled up with your physiology. It's tangled up with your dreams and with your nightmares. This is terrible to have to sit down and untangle. It's even more terrible if you do it by yourself. There's something powerful about sitting down with your tangled up stuff. Not only will Jesus sit with you patiently, but he wants to bring people in your life that will sit with you and deal with this stuff. So let's untangle a little bit today to give us a starting point. We're just, we're just scratching the surface before we jump in week after week over the next few weeks. Let's talk about mental health and emotional health. Are you with me so far, everybody? Okay. I had someone after first service come to me, tears welling up in their eyes saying, for a long time I've struggled with a particular mental illness and I've always felt like the church, like I, there, was, there was always this um, tension. And I just feel so free today. I want you to know, I believe God wants to even start setting people free today. He wants to set you free today. He also wants you to live free. And that's a process. It's a process. Mental health and emotional health, let's kind of situate it because it's hard to analyze. Let me just give you a little bit of kind of word picture. Mental health would be like the ocean. Kind of your living in it, and it's, it's, the, it's this, it's this large body of reality. And emotional health is the waves that hit the shore. It's the movement of, of where you are. Um, if mental health is the hardware, okay, the physical hardware, your emotions are the software. The, so, the software is downloaded into that hardware. So when my emotions are, when I am worrying a lot, it can do something to the hardware. Worry, I may feel it in my attitude and emotions, but I feel anxiety in my mental, in the, in the body and the hardware. Um, mental health, I might be thinking stuff. I'm thinking, but the way I'm, I'm emotional, I'm expressing what I'm thinking. God created us to think and, and, and feel and act. 
And as you think something, it causes you to feel something, and out of your feelings, usually you act. It's why we need to have a moral compass. It's why we need to have values. It's why we need to have a strong belief that's way outside our own thinking and our own feeling and our own understanding. It's why Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own thinking, feeling, acting, because your thinking, feeling, acting will screw you up sometimes. Well, I just felt like it was just the thing I needed to do. Well, that, well, you felt wrong. Well, your feelings aren't right or wrong, but the way you responded to that wasn't wise. And it lie, your feelings will lie to you. Lie, just like, nah. Your mental health is about processing data that you encounter. You just get all kinds of data. Data, 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 data. The atmosphere in which you live. Hey, you know what? I woke up tired this morning. Anybody else wake up tired this morning? Ugh, I did not get the kind of sleep that I wanted. I woke up, I pressed the snooze bar once. Usually it goes off at 4.30 on Sundays. Pressed, pressed the snooze button. Finally, got, I got up after the snooze button. And man, I went to go make coffee. The coffee wasn't, I didn't have the, the, the cups to put in the thing. You know, somebody should go to Walmart or whatever. But they didn't. Um, it's a joke. It's my, that's my job. That's my job. Easy, easy. Um, I'm tired. I didn't get my caffeine. I'm barely a Christian before. I love Jesus, but I need my caffeine. And, and, and uh, man, I just found myself as I was finishing the, the final touches of this sermon, I was just yawning all the time. I just like every single minute, I was just, <sighs> just feeling it. And just thinking about yawning makes you want to yawn. And, and um, does anybody else feel tired or did anybody else just yawn? Raise your hand, Nagadoches and Lovegate, if you just yawned. Raise it up high, don't be afraid. That was all an illustration. Put your hands down. Me just talking caused you to have a physical response. I controlled you without you even giving me understood control. Why? Because Jesus designed you, created you out of dirt and, 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 and breath in the image. You're made in the image of God. First Thessalonians, Paul says, God himself puts you together, spirit, soul, and body. So follow me here. With mental health and emotional health, you've got all that God has created you in, body and soul and spirit. Your body is the physical stuff. It's the hormones. It's when you see someone attractive at Walmart which is sometimes rare. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I'm in, yeah, I'm having too much fun. You're not gonna get anything. I'm gonna get a lot off my chest today. Just get ready, okay. No, your, your body, it's the physical stuff. It's the hormones, it's the chemicals, okay? Um, I am attracted to the opposite sex. I'm attracted to them. I love my wife and I'm faithful to my wife, but I'm attracted to women, I mean, I, there, I see, I, I can tell, I can tell in my opinion of what attractive is, who's attractive and who's just almost attractive. I got to shut up. What am I talking about? This is my therapy, I guess. Um, your soul would be considered the mind, the will, and the emotions. Your mind, the will, and the emotions. It's the way you think, the way you feel. So the way I think affects the way I feel. The way I feel affects the way I act. Then the spirit, you are born, your spirit disconnected from God because that's humanity's problem. We're disconnected. 
And when you invite the spirit of Jesus to live inside of you, he saves your spirit. But do you know that your body still needs to come under his direction and his control? Your thinking, your feeling, and your acting need to come under his guidance for your life because your body will say, she's attractive, follow, follow her down the produce aisle. And your spirit says, don't know, change the channel. Your spirit says, that's not the way you should be living. Your body can, your body can be affected in different ways. So this is a, not just a simple issue. It's complicated because you've got body, soul, and spirit, and then you have simple issues that you need enough sleep or um, maybe there's just a small chemical imbalance and praying over it and taking time and changing diet would help it. Or maybe, there's, maybe there is something that should be prescribed. That, I, I'll tell you in a minute how Jesus kind of reaches us in different ways. But you go from simple to there's complicated issues. And then you go from complicated to complex. Let me give you an example. Simple issues is like a recipe on the back of the Nestle Toll House chocolate chip cookie deal. Simple. Some chocolate chips, some, a couple eggs, some oil, put the mix in, you're set. Then there's complicated. That's grandma's seven-layer cake. And you can't quite make it like grandma makes it because you make it and it doesn't quite taste the same like grandma used to make it. So you call grandma, you say, grandma, I'm making the layer of cake. She's like, why are you doing it? Not inviting me over. And, 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 and you're like, well, that's for a different day, grandma, because last time you were real weird. And, and, but, 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 but like seven layer cake, she puts a little love in it. You don't even know. She just like the way she does it, just like the way she, I mean, she just does it and it's just it's complicated. Maybe over time you could figure it out. But then there's complex. So let's go to a restaurant. And a chef who owns the restaurant has seven employees out of their 20 that are down with COVID. They have a mortgage that's come due and because of COVID stuff has been down, they don't know how they're gonna make their payment. They're trying to stir together a simple and a complicated dessert. They need more help. On top of that, their, her, her marriage or his marriage is an incredible strain over here and that's going through the mind. So that's what complex is. You being made in the image of God without being God. You being made in the image of God without having all the strength that God has that is available, but you're only on your strength. That creates some simple, complicated, and complex realities that we swim through. But Paul said it, God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, that he would make you holy and whole put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. And watch what he says. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. And so much of this, there are some things you need to do, but I also want you to know there's some things you will never be able to do. He is completely dependable and you are not. He will do what you cannot do, but you have to let him do it. It's not in your notes, but you might want to jot it down somewhere. God wants you to get where God wants you to go more than you want to get where God wants you to go. I promise you. You're biting the bottom lip of wanting to be healthy and wise. God wants you to get, get where you need to go more than you want to get where God wants you to go. But we got to unwrap the, the crazy tangles. We're going to do that. We can't minimize it and we don't need to dramatize it. Number three, here's a big issue. Mental and emotional health has been stigmatized. And man, if I preach this to you with some flavor, minimized, dramatized, analyzed, stigmatized. If I just preached it with a little bit of ha, ugh, you'd be like, man, we had church today. 
But because I'm saying it like this, some of you are gonna walk out and say, oh, well, we just got all psychological. We're not even talking about the gospel anymore. I promise you, this is all up in the gospel, everybody. This is all up gospel for you. Mental and emotional health has been stigmatized. What's a stigma? Well, to help you understand, this isn't just our culture that stigmatized stuff for a while. This was the church. I'll just rub a little prayer on it. Well, you just need to get, you just, you, you, you just need to read more of the Bible. And, and although prayer is paramount and the word of God ought to be the moral compass, it is God's love letter to us. Although it has unbelievable power that is available to you, prayer is the key to everything you should do and be. You ought to talk to Jesus about it. You ought to hear what he's already said about it. But we kind of stigmatized. We never really, we just thought you could get sick from the neck down for many, many years in the church. But the only sickness you ever dealt with was from the shoulders down. Understanding that the stuff God made us in his image, there's a lot of complexity to us. And so really when you understand, it's not really stigmatized, but the word stigma means disgraced. Disgraced. <laughs> it's almost like saying, it's by grace you have been saved. Would you keep on sinning that my grace would abound even more? I came full of grace and truth. And the church, if we'd not, we'd not been good stewards sometimes, where we have disgraced, we have ungraced people that are struggling because we don't understand it and it's a mess and it's hard to deal with. And we, we just, man, normal people shouldn't be like that. Write it down. Being sick isn't a sin, everybody. Jesus, is, Jesus isn't mad at you when you're sick. He's not even mad at you when you sin, but he's holy and he has a better plan for your life and he loves you. Being sick isn't a sin. Your issue is not your identity. Some of you are walking around saying, I'm worried, I'm afraid, I'm depressed. And although there may be some realities behind those, you are not your issue. I'm very thankful for our help programs all across not only this county, but the world. Step programs, I would just say that, that one of the challenges I can have is when we introduce ourselves and, and help programs, step, different step programs, and we say, my name's Peter and I'm an alcoholic. My name's Peter and I'm a sex addict. My name's Peter. And although we struggle with those things, as a follower of Jesus, I want you to know, I'm Peter, I'm a child of God. I'm loved by Jesus and I struggle with alcohol. And I got an issue with sexual addiction. I got an issue with pain medication. Your issue isn't your identity. Your chemistry isn't your character. Your chemistry can get all out of whack and you can say things and do some things. I, I mean, you can, you, you, there's stuff that's not your character, but it can affect your character if not dealt with out of the shadows. Hey, my wife had a, a surgery a while back, a couple years ago, and it was a painful surgery she had to go through. And she was given some pain medication. I was responsible to kind of handle it. To be honest with you, I, I, I think I kind of messed it up. I gave her a little too much. And she went, what was the medical term they used? Uh, for about three days, okay? And uh, she doesn't remember it. Thank you, Jesus. Um, so this is the first time she's gonna hear about this. Hi, how are you? Um, but while she was, uh, you know, um, 
there was a bomb threat at the Hudson Middle School. And, you know, they, they, they sent us a letter, said everything's cool, we, 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 we figured it out, we don't think, but if you feel like you wanna pick up your kids, that's fine. So Janet's like, Jerry! She's laying in bed. Jerry, go get our kids! There's been a bomb threat. I said, Janet, I'm going to be the only one picking up our kids. I'm telling you. He's like, if you love me, you tell, I'm going to get up. So she's getting up like this. I'm going to go get the kid. I'm like, Janet, you're going to kill four people on the way to get them. You're the bomb threat. She's like, I'm going to call my mom and tell her that you won't pick up the kids. I was like, please do. Please do. I would love to hear your response to how you're being right now. <laughs> Jeremy, what's going on with my daughter? Anyway, that's Miss Karen for those of you that know. Um, so what do I do? I go pick up the kids and it wasn't a long wait. <laughs> I was the only one right there at that time. The kids come in and they're like, what is going on? I said, mom is high. And... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> she wanted me to pick you up and they're like, yeah, score. Like they're like, we love mom, <laughs> you know? We get home and they walk in and she's like, oh, my precious babies. My precious babies come here. <laughs> oh, your hair, Grandpa, your hair. I'm like, hi, mom. She's like, was it crazy? Were you so scared? Was everything just awful? I'm like, no. Oh, did all your friends get picked up? Oh, my precious baby, all my things. Really, Mom, we were kind of some of the only ones. Oh, okay, well, Jerry, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> now, if you know my wife, you know that chemistry is not her character, okay? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes she's, oh, who? What I really want to tell you <laughs> is that... Be cautious when you're giving your, 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 your wife drugs. Um, <laughs> let's pray. <laughs> no. um, chemistry isn't your character, but your chemistry matters. Your issue isn't your identity, but your issue does matter. Being sick isn't a sin, but if you stay sick, it can have ramifications that can lead you to sin. So let's shed some light on some shadows cast as we end today. I'm going to give you some simple thoughts here. Let me just tell you a story. <clears throat> 1853, let's go back 170 years to New York City, 1853, the World's Fair. It was set underneath the Crystal Palace and inventors from all over the world would come and share their new inventions that were going to change the landscape of human history. One gentleman did that year. His name was Elijah Otis. And Elijah Otis had invented the hoist. He had also invented that now we know as an elevator, he had invented the elevator safety brake. At that time in 1853, there were only a few, a few buildings that were, that were up to five stories tall and no taller in, in the entire city of New York, let alone the world. Elijah Otis, in order to share his invention with the World's Fair, he set up, this is Elijah, he set up a, a stand in the middle of the Crystal Palace 
that was a few stories high, and he had it attached by a rope, and a gentleman up here, we don't know his name, we'll call him Turbo. Turbo is up there with an ax. You know how people named their kids in the 1800s. And they, he's up there with the ax, and he says, ladies and gentlemen, for my, for my invention, I wanna share with you the elevator safety brake, and in just a moment, my friend up here is gonna cut the rope, and if it doesn't work, I'm dead. Let's do it. And like everybody's like, get my popcorn. I'm gonna watch this. People just love to watch stuff like that. Sure enough, the ax man and the elevator began to fall and there was a gasp, a collective gasp and, and the elevator braking system engaged and Elijah was safe and people were applauding. And 10 years later, there were then 10 buildings that were more than 10 stories tall. 50 years later, there were hundreds. Now there are over 58,000 elevators in the city of New York alone. According to the Otis Elevator website, more, the world's population, the equivalent of the world's population, ride on Otis Elevators every five days. Billions of people ride on Otis Elevators every five days. The Burj Khalifa in uh, the Middle East is a half mile tall. Never would have been built without the elevator safety brake. 11 Otis elevators fly at an unreal speed up this half mile skyscraper and can rise to the top in less than a minute. Amazing. None of that was possible. Why weren't they building buildings more than five stories? Because people don't like to walk up steps. That, I mean, that is the easiest thing. Like they did not want, who wants to walk up 14 flights of steps? But when the Otis elevator, all of a sudden, people were getting rooms with a view. We were able to have more people with real estate. It changed the real estate dynamics of New York. It changed real estate dynamics all over the world just because of the Otis elevator safety break. Now, fast forward, pause that. Think about Otis. Think about Elijah Otis. Fast forward to 2002, a biologist by the name of Stephen Johnson coined this phrase, the adjacent possible. The adjacent possible. Here's where I am, but to the side, to the adjacent is something possible. It's a shadow future hovering on the edges of the present state of things. It's there, it's possible, but in the present state, it's in the shadows. And it's, it's a shadow future that could be but may not be, but it could, it could it, it, it's, it's basically all that stands between what is and what could be. The, the skyscraper is because of the adjacent possible that was Elijah Otis and the elevator safety brake. The elevator safety brake is to the skyscraper what an acorn is to an oak tree. The elevator safety brake is to a skyscraper like the alphabet is to language. It's the adjacent possible that seems confusing and seems all jumbled up, but when I get the right consonant and vowels together, it makes the adjacent possible of communication there. It makes something reality. There's this space between where we wanna be and where we are, and Jesus paves the way. Why does he pave the way? Write it down. Jesus is still the ultimate adjacent possible. He's the ultimate adjacent possible. He makes something that's impossible possible. Walks into a wedding, they're out of wine. 
changes the molecular structure of the water. That's just water. That ain't wine. Taste it. What? Impossible. No, it's possible because Jesus is the adjacent possible. 5,000 people hungry on the side of the hill. We can't give them anything to eat. We can't even afford it. It's impossible. We don't have enough bread. It'd take us forever to bake that much bread. Here's a happy meal. Ah, it's impossible. Possible. Plus leftovers. That's the way Jesus rolls. Get a to-go box, disciples. <laughs> Jesus is dead, crucified on the cross. His followers hide. Three days later, what? The empty tomb? That's impossible. No, the cross meant game over. Mm-mm. Game on. Can I say something about the cross and about the tomb? The cross is not what makes Jesus special that he died on a cross. A thousand people would die every year on a Roman cross. Dying on a cross wasn't just Jesus. I mean, he was in between two common criminals. There was about three a day. That would have been three for that day. And the next day, there would have been three other people in those same spots at Golgotha. It was just what they did on Fridays. What makes Jesus so powerful is not only in not the pain of the cross, it's the separation that he took for you and for me, the agony and the sin that he took on himself and the shame so you don't have to wear it and the guilt that you are guilty of but he washes you clean from. The pain and the loneliness. He was lonely. He said, God, why have you forsaken me? He knows what loneliness feels like. And he takes on your shame and he takes on. But I want to say to you, the cross, although it paid for your sin, the adjacent possible is an empty tomb. Because if that tomb is really empty, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Let me show you how Jesus works with you and with me as we wrap up today. I go to John 11. It's a familiar story. Lazarus who died and was dead four days and Jesus raised him from the dead. A man named Lazarus was sick. We back up four or five days. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. And they're like, whew, we were hoping you were gonna say that. Okay, we'll see you in just a minute. We'll see you in just a second. Thank you for taking the trip from where you are to where we are. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And they ran and said, he said this sickness will not end to death. It's gonna be okay. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He wasn't irritated with them. He, he wasn't cold to them. He loved them. He was in their home a lot. Bethany was one of the favorite places Jesus, uh, Jesus went on earth. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he does something that doesn't sound like love. He stayed where he was two more days. What? What? He stayed where he was two more days because he loved him. Yeah, because Jesus will not be hurried. Jesus has his timeline, and it's way so above your pay grade, everybody. So on his arrival, Jesus found, so after, the, after a while, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Uh-oh. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. Shouldn't have taken him that long. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother, it's like, it doesn't matter who comforts you when the person you wish would comfort you doesn't comfort you. There's, there's something about it. There's something about, like, I, I, I appreciate you saying that, but I wish they would say it. 
And sometimes we can lose the comfort that God wants to give us in other places because we're so desperate to get it here. That's why people get, that's why people, they, 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 get, they can get married to people that fill a void, but then it's not quite the answer because they thought that filling the void was the answer for marriage and it's way beyond that because you gotta understand completion with Jesus before any person will ever complete you because they never will. You are not complete by another person. You're just like two incomplete people. So they were surrounded by people, but they were lonely. And the one they wanted to show up didn't show up on time. And so Mary and Martha, when Martha had heard that Jesus was coming, she went out, she left where she was, and Mary stayed at home. This is kind of what Mary and Martha look like. We see them in a couple chapters earlier where Martha's cooking up the roast and Mary's just sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him. And, and like uh, Martha's a little frustrated with Mary. And, and this isn't about like, don't do work, just sit at the feet of Jesus. This is use your gifts, but use it for the right heart. And Mary had the right heart in the moment. Martha was doing a good thing, but did not understand the right heart behind it. So Martha, she's out and Mary's at home. You can see kind of their personalities at work. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, look at what she says. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. This is why we sent you the carrier pigeon. She stops and she collects herself. Okay, okay, okay. I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. So like, let's go. She's a, she's a let's go get it kind of person. And Jesus says something to her. Jesus says to her, Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And she says, I believe that's true. And they start walking towards the tomb. Now, when Mary, the other sister, reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. Do you see this thing that Martha responds to Jesus in one way? Mary responds to Jesus in another way. Both of them have the same issue. Their brother is dead. Both of them are from the same family and background, and their brother is dead. Both of them believe in Jesus, but both of them respond to Jesus in a little bit different way. And she fell at his feet and said the exact same statement. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Hmm. So what does Jesus do? Well, he gives him the, her the same answer. I'm the resurrection and the life. He though were dead, he believeth in me. He will be live because I'm the resurrection. No, that's not what he does. That's not what he does. Look, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews would come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And then he responds to her with the shortest verse in all of the Bible. Jesus wept, both going through an emotional crisis, the mental strain of losing a brother, the mental strain of relationship where we thought Jesus was gonna come and show up, the challenge. He gives Martha something and Mary something completely different. Why? Write it down. Jesus is the ultimate physician who is impeccably personal. He is not a one-size-fits-all physician who's gonna give you the prescription that he gave everybody else. Although there are things that stay the same and things that are truth that will never change, there are ways that he will reach you. And there are times where you know what Martha needed? She needed truth. She needed truth. You know what Mary needed? She needed tears. She just needed someone to cry with. 
And I want you to know that the same Jesus that gave truth and grace, truth and tears, will cry with you and will also guide you. He will weep with those who weep. He's the ultimate physician. His bedside manner is unreal. You never have to worry that you are, you are, you are wasting his time. He is the adjacent possible. He is the answer, the ultimate answer. I want you to know that he's the first step of every step you take. And ultimately, Jesus is the light that overshadows your shadows. There's this interesting Greek word that happens about five times in the Bible, five different times throughout scripture. And it starts real early in scripture in Genesis chapter two, when God puts Adam to sleep to pull out the rib to make Adam whole because he was alone, he was lonely. I'll say it next week, but let me just give you a little first bad thing in the, in the world wasn't sin. The first bad thing in the world was loneliness. God said, it's not good for man to be alone. The Lord caused a deep sleep to overshadow the man. In my shadows, the light of the world comes and overshadows my shadows. When Mary, a teenage girl, is visited by an angel, given information that's unbelievably gonna shake up her plans. She was gonna go prom shop, dress prom shopping the next week. God had different plans. The angel answered her and said, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. What you're getting ready to go through, having to talk to your mom and dad about a pregnancy is gonna be really hard to explain. People are gonna reject you. Maybe even your friends at school are gonna give you the cold shoulder. Your own uh, husband that you're betrothed to, not quite married, but your fiance, he's gonna want to divorce you quietly because he can't make sense of the emotional and mental strain that you are saying to him that you got pregnant by the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna overshadow all that. That you can walk through what you're walking through because I will overshadow you. Jesus comes onto the scene and Peter, James, and John go up a mountain with him and Jesus just begins to glow. The radiant glory of God is all over him and Elijah and Moses show up. These are like the Hebrew idols. Peter's all jacked up on Red Bull and glory. And he just starts interrupting the whole thing and he's like, I wanna build you some, some houses and whatnot up here, some tents. We're gonna mark this off, put a high fence. This is gonna be incredible. Glory's gonna be right here. We're gonna live here. What do you think? And the Bible says, while he was saying this, like God had to interrupt him. <laughs> it's like, Ahem, excuse me. A cloud formed and began to overshadow them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And then the words of God in the cloud, this is my son who I love and whom I'm well pleased. He said it at the baptism and he said it at the transfiguration. The apostle Paul he wasn't perfect. I'm so glad the Bible is full of all kinds of people that struggled. I was given a thorn in my flesh. Like, this is an issue. This is it. I was given a thorn in my flesh. I prayed about it and it like, it didn't, the, the prayer didn't change it. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, take it away from me. Take it away. But his reply has been, my grace is sufficient for you. For power matures in weakness. 
Most gladly, therefore, will I boast of my infirmities rather than complain of them. And if we were ever living in a world where we're just loving to complain about everything, that we're looking at the state of our union, the state of marriages, and the state of our decision, the state of our freedoms, it's hard. You want to stand up and, and, and fight, but you also want to honor, honor God and be the way he wants you to be. Like turn the other cheek and, and yet stand for truth. Like how do we, Jesus, help us. We, like this is tension. Most gladly, therefore, will I boast of my infirmities rather than complain of them in order that Christ's power may overshadow so let me give you a counterintuitive next step. It's counterintuitive, don't make sense. It don't make sense. But can I tell you, his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it in heaven, doesn't make sense to culture either. But if you wanna follow Jesus, you flip things on its ear and you do stuff that doesn't make sense because Jesus invites you to have faith. Sometimes faith means you, you don't, it don't make sense. And here's what the Psalmist David says to us. Here's our first next step this week. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Dwelling, making a place in the secret place. And that secret place is anywhere you get with God. Shall abide. Abide is rest in, have comfort from, be nourished by Abide. You don't abide today and then not abide tomorrow. Abide. You may have to re-abide a few times today. And every day you abide because his mercies are new every morning. That doesn't mean they're new. The same thing is new. It means they are like, a, like your thumbprint. They are totally brand new every single morning. You got mercy like this on Monday. You get a whole different kind of mercy on Tuesday. You get a whole kind of different mercy on Wednesday. Like he's got so much mercy and so much goodness and so, so much of what we need that his mercies, he's so authoritative because he's the author of life and faith. Like he is got mercy for you that is bespoke every single day. You got to lean in and you got to abide and dwell in now my part is I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress, my God in him will I trust. So what's your counterintuitive first step? Stepping out and going through starts with dwelling in and abiding under. And it's not easy, but you're not alone. There is an adjacent possible. If you have been stricken with fear, Faith is an adjacent possible. If you've been struggling with an addiction, freedom is the adjacent possible. If you're struggling with worry and doubt, hope is the adjacent possible. If you've been trying to do this on your own strength, his perfect strength is the adjacent possible. All because of what Jesus has already done for you. You didn't have to do anything for it and he'll meet you where you are. Let's pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, two prayers today. The first prayer is, for those of you that might be saying, I need Jesus in my life. I know about Jesus, but I'm not really like following him. I believe he is, but I, I wanna believe and be saved, but I also wanna follow him. And if that's you, you're ready to believe or maybe believe again. 
you're ready to follow again or follow for the first time, in your own words, you can just whisper it, you can just speak it to Jesus quietly, silently, or verbally. You just say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I, I have sin that separates me. That's me wanting to be in charge. I want you to be in charge. I don't know all the answers. I don't even know what to do next, but I'm asking you, be my Lord. I believe you are who you say you are, the son of the living God who died on the cross for me, and you rose again in power. And that same power is available to me, and I want to follow and live in that. Thank you for, thank you for not being mad at me, but for loving me so much you would meet me in this moment. In Jesus' name, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here and you felt that mental and emotional strain, you've been carrying a burden, and you're inviting Jesus to, to carry that with you, to not be weary in doing well. If you need that from Jesus today, would you just raise a hand up? Just come out of the shadow with that hand. I've got my hand up too, everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lots of hands, lots of hands. Thank you, Jesus, for the vulnerability in the room with you. And I pray, Lord, that you would reach them right where they are with exactly what they need. They are a child of the Most High God and they got some struggles and they got some issues and they've got some layers of identity that that you want to peel away whatever was stuff that felt like mourning and sadness can be replaced with joy and gladness and hope. So God, we lean into you to do your good work one step at a time. We are not where we wanna be, but thank you, Jesus, we are not where we used to be. And where we are right now, you've got us right where you want us. You're right on time and you will give us what we need. You will cry with us, you will encourage us, you will connect with us and you will correct us. And you are full of truth and grace and we lean into both of those things today and we ask it in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. And if you receive that today, would you say amen?